0: This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is August 23rd, 2023. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio.
1: Uh, Deborah Lom, and I was at Hofstra Radio from probably approximately 1992 until when I graduated in 1995.
0: Okay. Um, What titles or positions did you have at the station?
1: I guess I was... um, I think it was either promotions director, PR director, um, some combination of the two. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Now um, I know this and you know this, but the listener doesn't know that you were, as far as I know, I don't think you were ever on air, at least not purposefully. You weren't there to be on the radio. You were there to do public relations and and behind the scenes stuff. Um, Correct. Correct. So I I feel like um, Dave Koenig had some air checks and I feel like there was one thing on the morning show where they're like, Debbie is here. And, and I don't remember if you responded on air or not, but, um, <laughs> I, I, I feel like you, you definitely made it known that that you weren't interested in that part, but you spent a lot of time yeah. with us at the radio station. Yes. Um, I guess let's go back to the beginning. If you don't mind, how sure. did you get dragged into, you know, that n- nest of knuckleheads that was <laughs> in the basement of Memorial Hall?
1: So, yes, I was never on air, uh, except maybe a word here or there, Mm -hmm. and that was completely by design. I was not interested in being on air, um, not as some assume because I was afraid, simply because I just was not interested. I was very focused on um, the business side of radio or the music industry. That's what I wanted to do as a career at that time. So... Walking down into the basement of Memorial was all about doing something that interests me, that I thought I could get experience that would help me out in my career, which it did, but I did not go into the uh, music uh, business or the radio business. Um, So I I joined um, RHU, and I also joined Hofstra Concerts for the same reason, and um, I did both uh, throughout my entire time I was at um, Hofstra as a student, and um, it was definitely a interesting situation. The fact that <laughs> I did not want to be on air, and a lot of people tried to push me to be on air, particularly some of the administrators and. There was really not a lot of understanding about why somebody would want to get involved in the radio station and not be on air. So I was often put in the position of having to explain myself. But um, you know, I I was very uh, focused and driven and goal oriented at the time, and also I was just looking to be around people who had common interests. So um, you know, I. Everybody at the radio station loved music. So did I. So it was perfect for me.
0: Okay. Well, well, thank you so much for, for bending the rules and joining me uh, for a conversation here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to talk with you. And and a number of people have said, well, you know, I didn't do too much or I didn't do this. Or maybe, you know, I don't have enough stories. But I love all the different perspectives. of uh, yeah. People who worked at the station and some people were there for six months and some people were there for six years and some people... You know, had had different roles, so I'm I'm really excited to to get your take on things and um, uh, uh, know a little bit more about your experiences. But again, I want I want to stick to the beginning. Um, how did you find out about the radio station? Was there was there anybody? Did you find out in a class or a flyer? What what brought you down to Memorial Hall?
1: There must have been a flyer, um, um, or there was some sort of uh, maybe there was a table set up at um, because there used to be. Um, like in the student center, various different student organizations would set up tables. So somewhere I found out that, you know, they were looking for, it must have been the beginning of a semester, they were looking for people to join and may even have said somewhere on a flyer that they were looking for people to do uh, public relations or promotions. So I took myself right down into the basement there. Um, I mean, I could really, I could actually still remember um, walking in for the first time. And, you know, and when I explained that I wanted to join and didn't want to be on air, I definitely got some very strange looks, but um, they couldn't get rid of me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I stuck around.
0: Did you come down for a a general interest meeting or did you just come down on your own and, and introduce yourself?
1: pretty sure i came down on my own and introduced myself um i you know seem to remember there's some people sitting around and um you know they left i think um you know that whoever was working in um promotions and pr at the time wasn't around so um you know they kind of just took my information they probably figured that they would you know never see me again. And, um, but I came again and, um, you know, just did my thing.
0: All right. Um, so I, if memory serves, I think Dave Koenig may have been the PR director or promotions director. Um, do you remember meeting him or do you remember getting involved, uh, working with him or anybody else?
1: Yeah. So, I did work with him. Um, There was someone else, um, a woman who, um, and I actually did not remember her, but before to prepare for talking to you, um, I actually looked through some of my old photos, uh, because one thing I did during my time at the radio station is I took a lot of uh, photos. So I kind of looked through, especially some of the early ones, and I I saw there was uh, someone else who was working in... um, with Dave at the time. And um, I don't think she stuck around for all that long, but um, and I don't even remember her name, but you know, the two of them introduced themselves to me and um, kind of showed me the ropes. And um, although honestly, at this point, I don't even remember what the ropes were back then.
0: Right. <laughs> I don't think there um, were any. I think, I think we're yeah. all making yep. it up.
1: Yes. Well, I know certainly um, as things continued later on, I was definitely really doing my own thing and kind of making it up as, as I went along. Uh, But um, then I was still kind of doing what uh, I was told to do, I guess, because I was just starting out and um, it, um, you know, it was a learning experience.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure. I remember, um, Dave was very motivated to get more people to the station and more people to get the word out. And I remember that you were uh, at the station at the time and uh, there was a woman named uh, Paula, I think Paula Mm -hmm. Rodriguez, and there was Danielle Mosa. And I think all three of you were not Mm -hmm. really interested in being on the air. You were interested in, in the promotion stuff. So I thought it was kind of interesting then and now that here are these three very unique people showing up at the same time and none of you want to be on the air, yeah. but you want to help promote the station. So that must have been yeah. kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. And I think Danielle, may be the one who I have a few photos of who I saw. Um, and the thing is, I, I had some experience in public relations already um, because prior to uh, coming to Hofstra when I was in high school- Uh, I wrote some, you know, press releases for a local music store for some uh, performances and things that they had going on. So, you know, that probably, Dave probably thought that was like great, you know, because I could, you know, write some stuff to maybe help uh, promote what was going on. And I think, you know, I can't remember exactly um, how it started, but um, I know we ended up doing some stuff uh, where again, like the student groups were setting up tables in the student center. So we did that. And I remember, um, you know, we painted these big like backdrops um, and I think we broadcast live um, from the student center. And, um, you know, that was probably one of the first Um, events that I helped to coordinate. And now, um, you know, my career, I've probably uh, had a hand in coordinating hundreds of events. Uh, But, um, you know, that was really one of the first ones. And I certainly learned a lot um, with the first (laughs) events that I did at the station.
0: Um, Yeah, that was a pretty big event in, uh, in my memory that we were promoting the Rock and Roll Oasis which was the rebrand of the, of the rock and roll show. And we wanted people to know about it. And we took, I think it was at least two, if not three theater flats. And we painted, um, you know, like an Island Oasis in the middle of the the ocean or something like that. And I think we started mixing our metaphors too much. I think it got a little bit messy there, (laughs) but, um, yeah, we set up and we did a live broadcast, uh, from the from the student center. Were you involved in the painting of the flats? Because I, yeah. I remember vaguely someone got access to them and they came over and I, I don't remember where they came from, but I know that we spent a lot of time working on that. Do you remember anything from from that?
1: Yeah, I mean I definitely worked on them. I don't recall exactly where they came from, though I could I imagine I vaguely remember that they possibly came from the Adams Playhouse, from oh, the um the guys who were working in the shop at the time, but I don't fully recall. Um, but that's like that rings a bell. Yeah. Um, I do re- I do remember you know the painting of them and that they were much bigger than I think we had anticipated they would be. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know that there was a lot of forethought in these things. I think we were just yeah. sort of sort of winging it. So did I mean I remember that being a very fun event.
1: Yes, But I also
0: remember being pretty chaotic. Yes, As someone who's new at the station, were you kind of thinking, what have I gotten myself into here? Or were you just sort of going along for the ride?
1: Well, I was trying to go along for the ride. And what I always did um, was, uh, as I mentioned, I always had my camera with me to take pictures. So if I ever felt like uncomfortable, I didn't really know what to do or things were chaotic, I would take a step back and just take some pictures to just kind of capture what was going on. Um, so that was kind of my way of just, as you say, going with the flow. So, um, you know, I just kind of went with whatever was happening, um, which <laughs> it was definitely um, chaos at some, at some points for sure.
0: Hmm. Um, Jen Murphy, um, just I just talked to her about uh, some of her stories, and she has a very distinct memory of, running across campus across the unispan because the first song we were going to play was back at the station and for some reason she sprinted across <laughs> campus and came back and once she told me that story I said oh yeah I kind of I kind of remember that but yeah. that's that's just sort of we had everything so planned and yet it really wasn't planned at all so I'm I'm yeah. glad you stuck with us and didn't yeah. decide we we're just a bunch of knuckleheads and uh, you know as as you mentioned talking about taking pictures today it's you know, it's, we don't even think about it. We've got our phones, we've got our devices, and we're taking pictures constantly. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about is sort of the tools that were available to us at the time, because obviously we're not using digital cameras. This is a film camera. So I guess one of my questions is, was it your own camera? And my follow-up question is, do you have the photos? And then the other question is, what else were you using at the time to help promote the station? What were the tools that were available?
1: So I had my own camera because uh, I had photography was my hobby and I've been doing photography as long as I can remember. Uh, I was a film camera. Um, for, in high school, I'd actually uh, been developing my own uh, film at the uh, lab at the high school, but that was not a possible, um, after high school. So, you know, I would have to bring film to, you know, I guess the local CBS or, you know, where, whatever, um, film developing place there was. Yes. I still have all the photos. I just looked th- through some of them prior to when we talked to kind of jog my memory on some things. I'm sure. In fact, I know we have, I have photos of that, um, uh, um, when we broadcast live from the, uh, student center, I have photos of some other things we did at, uh, student events, um, when we did, uh, some local band, um, performances, mm-hmm. um, and you want to talk about chaotic and just like kind of figuring things out when we did one, um, we did one and that this was, may have been after your time, I don't recall, but we did one in front of Memorial Hall. and um, <laughs> you know, I, and it was one of those occasions where, as you say, you think you, you thought of everything. And then um, and then I come to find out that we didn't actually get the proper permissions from oh, the university. No. And I got called into um, the scheduling office to speak to the director about why, I didn't put in the the proper requests and why did I think I was going to be able to do this show and all the electricity it was going to need. So we ended up working it out, but, um, that's, you know, exactly what you said about like the chaos and, you know, just kind of figuring things out as we went along. That was certainly true of that.
0: Mm. Yeah. So I I'm I'm going to I'm going to probe for some some details there. So so who was the 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 university department that uh was looking for the for the permit and how would you talk your way through that? You must have been thinking on your feet pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. Well, It was the, I think it was at the time called the uh, scheduling department. And um, I know the the woman who was in charge at that time was Kathleen Dwyer. Um, And it actually turned out pretty well to that. That was the first time I met her as a student. And then when I went on to work at Hofstra, um, as after I graduated, I worked with her, you know, I already knew her when I started working there. And, um, but in, in any event, uh, yeah, I, um, I was always pretty good at, uh, talking my way into or out of various different situations. And, um, you know, I just always had, I kind of ha- had a way, um, that, you know i think she expected that i was going to be like a rude you know like 18 year old or however old i was at the time and you know i came in and i was very professional and very polite about it and very apologetic and that probably helped you know she explained to me what needed to be done and you know, she helped me, um, you know, do things the right way. And we successfully ended up doing a a show in front of Memorial. And then we went on to do a few other live shows. And at that point I knew the procedure. So, um, you know, I just, um, like you said, you know, things, you know, I had to think on my feet, uh, because not every day you get called into, um, the office of the director of a department that you don't even really know uh that it exists until you get called in there
0: yeah yeah that's um i guess i guess there were were always rules that we weren't necessarily aware of and we just assumed we could we could get away with things or sometimes you think that you've done all the, the the necessary paperwork and it it doesn't happen but lesson learned i suppose
1: yes exactly exactly and it may have been, um, I'm trying to, you know, like, because in theory, there should have been like a, 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 a um, like a faculty member or an administrator who would have been the one to say, hey, did you do this or that? And I don't know why there wasn't that person, but there wasn't at that time. So, um, you know, now, um, you know, I think the structure has gotten a little bit more um, formal. So yeah. there would have been somebody who would have been checking to make sure that um, everything it was done in the proper way. I,
0: I, I seem to have a memory of that. Uh, not mm-hmm. necessarily you getting called into the office and working that out, but um, mm-hmm. it it does ring a bell. And I have a feeling it was during the time period where um Sue Zizza was the interim general yeah. manager. I think this was before Bruce Avery came in. Yes. And there were a lot of things that we did. Don't don't tell Sue, but there were a lot of things that we did sort of pirate radio style, where we thought, yep. well, let's let's just do it and find out what happened. And I have a feeling that yep. we may have assumed or just yeah. maybe not cared what, what the what the process was, but uh, we went out and did it. And I, I think there was I think there's really educational in a sense. Yes, you want to do things yeah. the right way. Yes, you want to comply with university regulations. But also there's something to just I don't know. Let's go do a remote from the quad. Yep. Let's see what yep. happens. Yeah. So so in that, that sort of uh, I'm going to double back again again, we are, a, a lot of us were sort of in that pirate mentality. Let's just do stuff and, and see what happens. But you yeah. always seem to be uh, more organized and more forward thinking. And I guess I, I'm wondering, were there times where that sort of, you know, let's let's do something attitude, did that <laughs> conflict with your ideas or or did you just learn to, to roll with whatever nonsense we were up to?
1: I probably just learned to roll with it. Um, You know, there, there may have been times that I was, you know, you know, I don't know things weren't going the way that I would have liked them to, but I don't recall it being something that was like, you know, a, a big issue. I mean, I was generally just happy to, you know, be involved and, you know, it was a lot of fun. As you said, it was always a lot of fun And, you know, that was just always my takeaway. And, you know, a lot of times with with some of these things, you know, people were kind of just letting me, you know, do what needed to be done, I guess, because they knew I would take care of some of the, um, you know, some of those pieces that perhaps they didn't want to uh, or that they didn't think of. I should say it that way, maybe. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: Um, were there any projects that you remember developing on your own or ideas that you came up with, with that you were particularly pleased with, or were there suggestions or, or events that, that you thought, okay, I'm, I'm really glad I, you know, took control there or, or came up with that idea?
1: Well, I mean, I, I seem to remember that, um, I took, a lot some initiative in terms of um trying to call various uh clubs and places to get uh free tickets to give away on air Mm -hmm. and um I mean they must have been doing that prior to me it's not like I mean that's what radio stations did but I feel like you know I was you know Trying, like I, I put a lot of research into finding um, different clubs, and you know, it's it's funny because uh, now I live on the South Shore, and I don't live too far away from um, the what's now a beach club Malibu, but at the time, it was a like a, a rock, you know. They had live music there. They had you know you know different you know kinds of you know night music nights and stuff so um you know and i remember calling to get um you know tickets to give away on air for various shows and what would end up happening is that we would have trouble giving them away so some of us would end up going Uh playing the role of like you know the people who won the tickets um so it was uh it, it was fun
0: yeah a little side benefit sometimes you you get to enjoy the uh Uh, the results of of your hard work, but that, um, that, that was often a hard thing for us to do because we um, we had the music director and various show producers who would be in touch with record labels, but it was, wasn't necessarily um, a a lot of record companies or venues looking to give us tickets because we were a relatively small station. We weren't, I think yet reporting to CMJ, the college music journal. So that, that must've been, uh, you know, a real labor to try to make those connections and and to create relationships where you could get right. venues to to give you stuff to give out. So right. did you ever well, get like real frustrated with that?
1: Uh well well I think you know what what was a little bit frustrating was the fact that we would get stuff and then we would have trouble giving it away because how do you make the case for somebody to give you again if you can't actually give it away. So that was you know that was part of the frustration there. But it is true You know, it did, you know, I, you know, people wouldn't always call me back or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it was all at that time, it was all phone calls. I mean, you know, there was, you know, there must have been email, but, you know, people really weren't using it at the time. So, you know, at least not, certainly not in the way that we use it now. So it was all about getting somebody on the phone and then not only getting them on the phone, getting these people to follow through because, you know, not all of them were exactly the most, you know, a lot of times you were not, you were speaking to like a promoter of a show or of a a venue um, or, um, you know, in, you know, down the line, I you know used to help out um, you know with the local band show, and you know sometimes I would help them with dealing with uh, some of the bands. So in those cases, I'd be talking directly to the bands, who again, you know, you have to get them to call you back, and they're not always the most reliable people in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I- I'm glad you brought up the the local band show because that's. Uh, um one of the things that I, am really, uh, very proud to have anything to do with. And, and largely that was, that was Todd Packer and Eric Hewler doing the work. It was an idea I started and then I kind of threw it to those guys and said, see what you can do with it. And they made it into, uh, what I thought was a really impressive network and, and people were aware of them. What else do you remember about, uh, that program and, and work that you did with them?
1: so um i mean one thing was that during that time um we were you know i was going usually with eric to see shows by local bands like sometimes both friday and saturday nights because Mm. he wanted to check out the bands before they went on the you know before playing them bands wanted him there because they knew at the time there wasn't a lot of places that was going to That were going to play their music and you know there are some bands you know we saw an awful lot of bands there are definitely bands that stuck out to me um some of which i still um listen to to this day but um you know the band that at the time were known as the hidden persuaders but then later became splendor who had they were like a one they ended up being like a one hit wonder but Part of the reason they got attention and they got play was because of the local band show and how um, much Eric and Todd promoted them, other people at the station. I think it was, you know, somebody, a number of people had an internship at, let's see, was it Mm W-L-I-R? What was Mm -hmm. the, that was the, so somebody... Maybe it was Dana brought up, mentioned them in a, some sort of meeting, um, like, you know, to somebody and they got played on that station. And that was like their first time ever being played on a station that was not like Mm RHU. And, um, you know, we really helped them a lot in terms of helping them promote their band and everything else. And there were a couple other bands like that, uh, Q South, Smile Orange, um, you know, there's a, there's a few others. Um, there, there There's a guy who I can't remember his name at the moment, but he was a solo, played more like a folksy kind of music. And I can't recall. Oh, um, I think his name was Gerald Bear. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. 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 I love Gerald.
1: Yeah. So um, maybe a year or two ago, I actually looked up to see what he was doing. And I think at the time he may have even still been playing somewhere out East. Um, but uh, yeah, he was great. Um, he really, really great. Q South, I mean, that was a band, that was a great band. I still listen to um, their music to this day, even though um, they never they never went anywhere. I mean, they got signed to a uh, record deal, but it, it just, it didn't go anywhere. Um, so, you know, that was a great way to really be exposed to bands and music and, you know, just be really see a lot, a lot of live shows. I mean, that was just fantastic. And, you know, when the bands would come into the studio, you know, getting to see them set up and see their performances and getting to talk to them and help, you know, just help with, you know, whatever was going on. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. Mm.
0: That's, that's great to hear. Um, I know that, that you and Eric and Todd put in a ton of work uh, on well, their program. Well, it was program. mostly,
1: it was really them. It was really, you know, all them. I mean, I was just kind of there to like, you know, I, I was just kind of, you know, in the background, it was totally, I mean, they were, you know, really, um, and Eric, you know, Todd was, you know, both of them were very instrumental in it, but, you know, after, you know, Todd, um, Eric was really driven and really focused on um, you know, wanting to help these bands. I mean, Todd was too, but you know, Eric really was all in on it.
0: I'm so glad that you, you spoke so much about that because it really was uh, an amazing uh, uh, project or, or show. And again, the community and the network that that came out of that. Um, and thank you for remembering the names of those bands. And I, I, Love Gerald, uh, bear. And, yeah. um, I remember recording him in studio one, one day, uh, just me and him. And it was, it was fantastic. And I think his son became a songwriter and performer. And I wish I could remember his name. Someone out there is yelling it, uh, in response, but, uh, he became kind of a big deal songwriter as well. So, uh, um, yeah. you know, although Gerald never hit the big time, I think, I know we had, a, he had a lot of fans in us and, uh, maybe we played some small role in, And some people having some success. It's nice to think about.
1: Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, there's, you know, there's no question that a lot of these bands would never, I mean, even if they didn't go on to do anything, you know, career wise with, you know, becoming like a huge band or anything, they wouldn't have gotten airplay, you know, without the show. I mean, there's no question because it really wasn't at that time any other outlet. It's not like it is now where you can just, you know, put stuff out on the Internet and, you know, hopefully, you know, and it, it's so much easier to promote yourself as a uh, artist now that, you know, there was there wasn't really the Internet at that point.
0: No. Um I want to go back a little bit to your uh, getting involved at the station. And um, again, some people are getting on the air and they're spending a lot of time in the studio and you kind of get to know people. Um, What was your experience like getting involved socially at the station? Was there a moment where you felt comfortable like, yeah, I like this. I'm going to spend a lot of time here. Or was it just a gradual, yeah, I'm eating lunch here. I'm here between classes and, and this is the place I hang out.
1: So it's kind of a tricky question to answer. Um, you know, at first, you know, I just kind of came in and did what I had to do. Um, I was I dated uh, Dave for a while. That was, you know, really after that uh, was when I got more accepted and I just, you know, continued to come and just spend time with people. And that was really when they got to know me. Hmm. Um you know after uh that point so it was probably you know maybe six months or so before you know i really started developing you know friendships with uh with people but um you know it was uh it was it was great you know it was always fun anytime you know you i went down there or or in the studios in the other building you know there was always people around there was always you know, people to talk to and have fun with, laugh with, um, you know, and so what I would often usually do is during the the day, you know, I, I would be at the station and then, um, Usually around dinner time, I would walk back and I would probably have dinner in the offices of uh, Hofstra concerts. And there was some crossover between the two groups. There were some common you know, people like me who were p- members of both groups. But that was, you know, a lot of my social life was between those two groups, but especially the radio station.
0: Mm hmm. Um- as you were mentioning something there about about being around in the office and, and people laughing, um, I have a memory of a photograph, and I don't know if I took it or who took it, but it's it's a photograph of Bruce Avery uh, mm-hmm. in the center and Dave Mock, and they're mm-hmm. both laughing over something. Yeah. And Bruce, Bruce told me that's one of his favorite photos, uh, the two of them, and uh, I think John Lean is in the photo mm-hmm. and, uh, maybe Eric and yourself and everybody yeah. just, and, and every we're in the basement Memorial hall and yeah. everyone's just having a really good time. And it seems like yeah. everyone just felt really comfortable. And, yeah. um, I'm so glad that, that, you mentioned that. And, and, um, I know I have a copy of that photo somewhere. I'll make sure I, I send it to you, but, um,
1: yeah, I'd love to see it because a lot of times I was the one taking the photos. So there aren't all that many photos of, um, you know, of, me (laughs) so um yeah that that was but it's so true i mean there was always you know there were always people to talk to and always people having you know fun and joking about things and i mean there were things that went on that were you know i don't know drama like there you know always is especially at that age but you know like as a whole you know it was just a lot of fun and you know laughter and you know just people having a good time
0: um I, I should have asked this earlier. Were you, were you studying public relations? I know, I know you mentioned a couple of the, the other groups that you were working with and, and uh, media. Was that, was that your major? What was, what was it like working at the station and Hofstra concerts with what you were studying uh, for your degree?
1: So I was a humanities major at New College. Um, At the time, Hofstra didn't have a public relations major. Now, I believe they have a graduate program in it, maybe even an undergraduate also, but at the time they didn't. Um, So New College, you know, had different tracks. I did um, humanities with a concentration in literature because I always liked... Uh, literature and writing. That was really my strength was writing. So I knew that, you know, I was getting certain things, you know, that would provide me with, you you know, that I would be able to use in my career. And then that was why I then, you know, sought out these other opportunities to kind of do some more specific things, Uh, that related to uh, public relations and, you know, promotions and things like that. Um, In my senior year, I had an internship in the university relations office where I actually ended up getting hired there. So, um, you know, but I was, you know, I didn't have, I wasn't a communications major, which was probably somewhat rare, and I wasn't a business major. So, um, you know, I definitely kind of stuck out like a sore thumb at times. Um, And, you know, I was probably, you know, because when Bruce was hired and he put in a a lot more rules and structure and things, you know, um, know, I, I stood out even more as a sore thumb, because I did not take the class Uh, And and I was not on air and everybody else had to take the class and everybody else um, even, um, you know, I remember at the time, um, my friend Beth Marks also was not really so interested in being on air, but she did take the class and I guess she was on air at least once to satisfy Bruce, but um, I was grandfathered in and allowed to be the only person not to not to not take the class um, and you know I guess I made a strong enough case that um, I felt that there should be opportunities for people who were interested in, in other aspects of uh, the radio station such as the business side to have the opportunity to get that experience just like you would if you went someplace for an internship because not everybody, um, and myself included, I didn't have a car, not everybody had a way of getting to an off-campus internship. Right. And I felt that was a situation where students who couldn't get off campus could get some experience that wasn't just being on air, especially if they weren't a communications major. So I did not win that I mean, I want it for myself, but right. I did not win it for future people, uh, future students.
0: Well, I, I was, I was going to say, you know, for those of us who knew Bruce, he was, he was, he was awfully persuasive, and he would challenge you to defend your case, and, and not necessarily in a negative way, but. As a way of, you know, you want to do this, you want to do that, you'd have to sort of prove it. So here's another situation where uh, you have to speak for yourself and accomplish what you want. And again, Bruce had very definite ideas about what he wanted. And you said, Yep, this this is what I'm doing. And you got your wealth. Yes. That's pretty impressive.
1: Yes. Wow. Yeah, well, the thing is, Bruce and I probably did not agree on much, but, and he did spend a lot of time trying to persuade me because he realized, I guess, that, I um, mean, he more or less told me that he felt that some of my fellow students really respected my opinion. And I think he, you know, wanted me to be, persuade some of the people who weren't exactly thrilled with some of his decisions. But, you know, that was not who I I was, that I couldn't be easily persuaded. And, you know, there were times where he would catch wind of me saying this or that, and I would get called into his office and he would try to convince me why I was wrong. And I would tell him why I thought he was wrong. And, you know, And that was it. I mean, you know, he, you know, at the time, because I was not a communications major, I didn't have a shift on air, you know, it's not like there was something he could do to me. You know, what was he going to do? Tell me I couldn't do public relations. He needed me to do that position. So, you know, there really wasn't, you know, so I, I was pretty, I've always been pretty fearless about, you know, speaking my mind. And, you know, I certainly did that, and not just at the radio station with Bruce, but, you know, in a variety of different situations, um, you know, because it was always important to me to, you know, speak up for myself, speak up for other people who may not have a voice or may not feel comfortable with, say, stating, you know, especially when it came to situations where there was, I guess, you know, like a, a disparity in terms of, Power, Like, you know, such such as like a student in a situation with maybe the administration or adults, because, you know, some students don't feel like they can say something about certain things. But, you know, I, you know, I was never afraid to do that, which I know that Bruce did not always appreciate.
0: Mm. Um,
1: But, you know, so that, that was who I was.
0: So, so you were a bit of a pirate yourself. I guess that's why you fit in because you, correct, you, you know, you, you, you presented as very professional and thoughtful, but in in your own right. way, you're, you're, you know, willing to set sail in your own direction and, and, and fight for what you believe in. That's pretty impressive.
1: Correct. Well, that was always my secret weapon is that people often assume that because I, I'm quiet, I'm very professional and you know, they would make certain assumptions and then, you know, I would surprise them. <laughs> All
0: right. All right. Well, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm impressed because again, when Bruce came in, you know, there mm-hmm. were, there were a lot of, uh, of changes. We had, we had sort of yep. run our own thing for a little while and he wanted, uh, uh his, his order and, uh, you know, I, I definitely saw the wisdom in what he was doing, but it yeah. was also quite a transition. So then you made the jump yes. from the old building at Memorial, and then you went into the new station. And so yeah. uh, I think a big part of what Bruce wanted to do, and something that was hard for us to do in the previous years, was recruit more people to the station. Were you active in, in getting more people to come down and, and join the station? Um,
1: I I mean, I don't, I don't recall. Um, I mean, to me, you know, I think it was always a hard sell for me to be able to go out and tell people to join, but you have to take this class. And, um, you know, that to me was, you know, I I found that, you know, because I didn't believe that that was the way things should happen. So I didn't feel like I could then sell that to other people Mm -hmm. effectively, Mm -hmm. you know, and even though I, you know, and again, like you said, you know, I understood the reasons why he was doing it, um, and why probably the administration was in favor of it, but, you know, I felt that there should be other, you know, other avenues. Um, you know, I don't really, you know, I'm sure we did things to recruit, you know more people to come to the station and you know i know that there were definitely always new people coming in i just don't necessarily have any memories specifically of doing things i do you know one of the uh, photo albums i looked through prior to us um doing this is a bunch of pictures of when the uh new uh studio opened mm-hmm. it was and when we signed on air um like i think it was like at the crack of dawn one morning it um because there's pictures, it's like the sun is not even up yet. And, you know, where we were, um, you know, we went on air for the first time in those new studios. And, you know, I have pictures, you know, I was there to take take pictures of it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, that was, you know, that definitely, I didn't remember it until I looked and, you know, those photos jog my memory.
0: Well, I, I, we're, we're gonna have to see if we can get access to some of those photos. That's, uh, that'll be really nice to to see those things but uh again i want to go back to your early days joining hoft radio and you kind of addressed Mm -hmm. this a little bit earlier but i like to ask this this way so when you were 18 or 19 years old and, and joining the radio station what did you hope it would be and what did it become for you
1: uh I, you know, I don't really recall what I hoped it would be. I mean, I guess I thought I, I'd hoped it would be fun and it was. Um, I don't know if there was that, you know, I hoped I would get some experience that I'd be able to use um, in my career and I did, although not exactly in the career I envisioned at that point. And, you know, what it became is, you know, it was a big part of my social life, you know, when I was in college, you know, because I spent so much time with everybody, you know, so that was, you know, was really about being social and, you know, having a good time. I mean, you know, obviously we were doing, you know, work for the radio station, but, you know, we had a good time while we were doing it.
0: This has been fantastic. (laughs) I'm so glad you agreed to do this. I have enjoyed really hearing these stories and clearly, and again, I'm not pushing you this way. Clearly, if you wanted to get behind the microphone, you, you would have been able to do it if you wanted to. I'm so glad that you were, you're willing to do this and, and share these stories. Um, uh, thank you so much. This is, this has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you.
1: Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome.